The G-Men Podcast brings you inside our community and lets you listen in on the conversations that empower men to win in life and business. Sometimes we can't wait for people to come to us. We got to go to them. Let's go. got to have critical thinking in a time of crisis. Be conscious of who you are connecting Any crisis, you got what? The brotherhood. Guys, we have to get comfortable with talking about who we are and what we do. We have to do it sometimes in 15 seconds, 30 seconds or less. And I think that is always good practice. So last night we had about 12 men on call and we had everybody pitch one of their businesses or services, 15 to 30 seconds. So it just really helped them on the spot to you know, dial in on things they want people to know. And we had them follow up and drop a link in the chat, because if we don't know that there is somebody in the house, in the G that does what we need, we tend to overlook their services and we go somewhere else. And ultimately, I like doing business with people with character and integrity. And so the G exists and we know we have men around us who are training in, in the space of character and integrity so when we apply that to business um not only can you level up but you can deepen relationships and that's kind of what we're looking to do in the season especially as we prepare for the retreat mr Malik, you happen to be uh the only man on the call so go for it pitch one of the services or businesses that you're a part of and then follow up by dropping a link in the chat and i'll get that link into the main gmen community for people who need that service. I knew you were going to ask me that as soon as you said that <laughs> just now. Anybody <laughs> like, else to ask? <laughs> um, all right, I'm, I'm going to pitch it like this. Um, one of the businesses I have, um, you know, you call me off the spot, but you got to be ready. Stay ready. You don't got to get ready. Um, I am the owner of Fresh Heritage Kitchen. Uh, we bring uh, grilling meals to your to your doorstep. Uh, yeah, I didn't pitch this very well. <laughs> All right, start over. Start over. Breathe. Okay. Let it go. All right. I'm the owner and operator of Fresh Heritage Kitchen. We bring grilling delights to your doorstep. Uh, anything you need, anything you want, we can grill it. We can smoke it. Yeah, that's that's about all I got right now. Right. And this is why we're doing this. This is why we're doing it very strategically because we got guys, you never know when the opportunity is going to hit you. You're talking to someone, you're sitting in the airport and, you know, you have a moment to exchange an idea. And who knows? That could be the whale that you were looking for. Who knows? That could be the, the conversation before the conversation. So we want to make sure we're giving each other space to train. If there's a gap, we want to identify the gap. There's amazing programs, boss, business speaking and coaching, where you can just get some ideas dialed in um, or some other uh, offerings from uh, leaders within the G. So we want you to be able to do that. All right, Chief, you're up next. What we're doing is a 15 to 30 second pitch of any product or service in your portfolio. 
not only are we doing it for practice, but we're also doing it so that people are aware of what some of the service of services are and businesses are connected to the G. So you're up, coach. Go for it, Chief. Pete, come back to me. I'm walking down the steps. <laughs> okay. okay, don't wake nobody up. Don't wake nobody up. All right, Mr. Terry, if you can, uh, go ahead, pitch one of your products or services, 15, 30 seconds. Product or service would be Commit to Fit. It's an online, I wouldn't say just online, but it's training portal. We do personal training, group training, online training as well. But it's not just for fitness, it's for your overall health, wellness. We focus in on nutrition, sleep, um, anxiety, everything to get you um, overall health and wellness, to take care of your overall health and wellness. Appreciate that, Mr. Terry. All right, Mr. Abraham Scully, you're going to be up next. What we're doing is a 15 to 30 second pitch of one of your businesses or services. Again, it could be your podcast. It could be um, so something in your business pipeline. What we're doing is we're allowing people to not only practice their pitches, but also we're making everybody else aware of some of the businesses connected to the G. Go for it, Professor. Great morning, guys. So I have a book. Uh, it's called Unlearn the Lies, a guide to reshaping the way we think about depression. I've written it as an introductory guide to mental health and mental illness, specifically depression. And one of the things that keeps many people, specifically black people, from seeking help is the lies that hold us back about mental health. And so this book will help to unlearn the lies and reshape our thinking. Love it. Love it. All right, circling back to you, Chief. Go for it. Yes, sir. One of the services we provide is called the League of Extraordinary Champions, which is basically uh, geared toward uh, making sure teams really improve their chemistry, not just their necessarily individual performance. Um, some people know it as a four animals experience, but it has been known to bring families and organizations uh into a space where they're actually listening to understand versus listening to respond. Love it. Well said, sir. Well said. All right, guys. Um, uh, what, what I want to make sure that we don't overlook and Mr. Terry was on last night's call and we did some training around what are the, some of the, what are some of the things we can do when facing a crisis in the greater Seattle area, uh, the Super Bowl champion, uh, D, I think he's a DB, Richard Sherman, went through a moment um, and we could see a lot of things there. But what we're more interested in is how we, if we find ourselves in a situation like that, or if we find ourselves having to coach a brother through a, a moment where he's just in the space of um, taking action to the negative side, just based on what's going on in his life. What are some of the things, the strategies that we can deploy? What I found is that in high pressure, tense situations, we revert back to our training. And a lot of times we're just untrained. We're untrained how to handle pressure. We're untrained on the things to think about as we are um, just going through it. Most people don't notice, but in the special ops unit, they train you on drugs. Like they like, look, if you get kidnapped, captured, and they put drugs in your system, we need you to still know how to not give away US secrets. So training helps you for every situation. What's, what we're seeing a lot is that when men face certain situations, 
divorce, certain situations, ladies stepped out on them, certain situations, uh, baby mama take the kids and go somewhere else. And that triggers something deeper. Without knowing it, we tend to do what's first top of mind. And it's like, you ain't about to take my kids. You ain't about to just do what you want to do and think it's going to be all right. Um, and we have to we have to have some tools. We have to challenge our mindsets. We have to challenge how things usually went, especially in our community, because if not, more of the same will continue to happen. I told a story last night about my cousin, Tam, and she saw a woman being punched in a parking lot. Uh, I think it was a Safeway parking lot. And, you know, she got out the car and she went up and was filming it and was, you know, telling them to stop. And the guy pushed the lady out of the truck and drove off in town, hopped, hopped in her car and followed uh, the gentleman to get his license plates. And so I was asking the men, what would you do in a high pressure situation like that? What are some of the actions that you would take? For me, I always tell people like, look, um, I'm nobody's hero. One of my goals every day is to get home to Latasha. So, bro, I just call 911. You know, I'm not doing their job. I'm like, hey, 911, we're in the Safeway parking lot on 25th. You need to come uh, do your job because that's your job. Come right now and do your job. And again, I would walk up and shout or scream and, and distract whoever, but I'm not trying to play the hero because that could go left real quick. But to do nothing, to me, that's absolutely incorrect. To do absolutely nothing, to say absolutely nothing, to me, that's absolutely incorrect. But what we don't want to do is judge because we all have different levels of training, different levels of life experiences. Mr. Tony Rossi shared some powerful things last night. And he said, hey, I'm not a big guy. So a lot of times in certain situations, I have to think about what I can do to disrupt the energy while thinking about thinking about my personal safety. So we have to be thinkers. We have to be problem solvers. But we also have to be prepared. So if we have to face an issue like this, or if we have to talk somebody down from the ledge, we have some tools in our tool belt. So what I want to do is as we open things up right now is maybe discuss some tools that, you know, if we had a brother in crisis, like Mr. Richard Sherman was in, or if we see a situation like my cousin did where someone's being assaulted in public, what are some of the tools? What are some of the steps that we could take? So let's start with you, Mr. Malik. Any ideas there? Have you experienced this firsthand? And uh, if so, what was that scenario like? Yeah, I, I definitely have experienced that. I had a partner, matter of fact, uh, when I was about 20 years old, long story short, partner had an issue with his family, uh, decided he couldn't have, didn't have anywhere else to stay. And, um, you know, I let him stay with me. Um, so, you know, I tried to coach him, you know, pretty much I was just saying, hey, man, you know, is this really big enough to, you know, disconnect from your whole family? And uh, to him, he felt it was. And, uh, you know, he, he started hanging out, uh, going out all times of the night, uh, caused me to have to get up early in the morning to go pick him up when he was hanging out because uh, he was getting high all the time. So now I have a job. You know, I got to make sure I have a job. Um, I was married at the time or just about to be married. And so my coaching method was just, you know, really to get him to understand that this is a blip in your overall life. You know, you, you have to realize what's important to you. And if this is not big enough, this is your fault. You know, the things that you're going through are your fault and you have to own up to that. You know, you're not a child anymore, so you have to grow up and be a man. So long story short, you know, I, I coached him through that. And um, he really realized that, uh, you know, he really need to just grow up 
and realized what's important to him and realized that the people that he was hanging out with really didn't care nothing about him, obviously, because they would leave him out there stranded with no car, no ride, no nothing. So, you know, it just really need to realize what's important to you and uh, put places, things in actions to make sure you can achieve the things that you want to achieve. So, um, yeah, that was my long story short. I'm not trying to take up the call. No, <clears throat> no that's solid. Um, and, and, you know, that's something I think about all the time. You know, I have six couches and a few unoccupied bedrooms. You know what I'm saying? So I get it. You know, you can be there for people when you can be there for people. I think one of the things that challenges me, and we're going to tag you in next, Abraham, for some of the, the tools and strategies you've seen and used. You know, sometimes people call you up for bail money. And you're like, bruh, how you know my number for the bail, but you didn't know my number before the bail, like before you did the thing that, that requires bail money. And I ain't that I, I don't have it. It's just that, do I want to spend it this way? Do I want to invest it this way? You know, and at times they know you, they know your heart. And so they are reaching out because typically you're going to take action towards what they want as a result and a solution. But bro, if I'm spending money, I should have some, some type of control and some type of say so. I just believe in that. And at times when people are in crisis, they're not really listening. They just want what they want so it can ease some of that pain and that pressure. And I like to have a strategy plan, an action plan before, you know, we, we, we make some investments. But I'm pretty sure some of y'all have experienced, you know, having to go bail somebody out. And you're like, come on, man. So we'd love to hear from some of you again because we need some tools. We need some ideas, excuse me, ahead of time. And also, if we have to walk somebody through that, like Mr. Malik said, if we have to coach somebody or point them to some information, some resources, what does that look like? So we're going to have Abraham, we're going to have Kanan, and then Mr. Terry. Go for it, Abraham. Yeah, so um, I've been in, you know, a few situations, uh, especially with the, the line of work that I do regarding mental illness and mental health and crisis prevention, um, maybe about a month ago, I got a phone call and it was a weekend. <clears throat> so this was kind of odd. Um, so I normally kind of just chill out on the weekends and uh, relax, but I uh, got a weekend uh, phone call and the person on the other line said, Abe, I need you in work mode because um, this individual is talking about She's going to kill herself and she is crying right now. And I'm pretty sure that she's going to do it. And immediately I had to um, kind of come out of the, the space that I was in at that moment, which was, you know, chill mode, relax mode, enjoying, you know, family and step into that space. But one of the biggest things that I've learned over time, especially when individuals are in a mental crisis, is it's very important to listen. It's important to stay calm and allow that person to feel what they're feeling. And <clears throat> what I was able to do in that moment, and I'm going to share this in the in the in Mighty Networks as well, because it's a very useful tool. It's called a safety plan. Whenever someone is suicidal or in mental crisis but essentially what I was able to do was to talk to the individual and give them the space to share um, like you said Bernard without judgment 
So a lot of times when someone is saying, um, you know, I feel like killing myself, there's no hope, then immediately one will say, there's no reason to kill yourself. Or why are you talking like that? Or you need to stop saying that because you're getting people scared and you're getting people angry. But what I did was I asked this individual, what makes you feel that way? How long have you been feeling this way? And really give them the space to talk and let it out. And what, I, what everyone was able to, to notice in that moment was just being able to talk and see that someone was listening helped the person who was feeling suicidal, who was suicidal in that moment, who had the means to, to kill herself. She knew how she was going to do it. She knew when she was going to do it. And just by listening and creating the space, it helped her enough to say, I'm not going to kill myself. And this is what I'm going to do instead. I'm just going to quickly go through, and I got it pulled up here, um, the, the different aspects of the safety plan uh, that I use, and then I'll share it in the, in the Mighty Networks. But the first thing is to identify the concerns, the issues, uh, and the risk behavior. So <clears throat> like, what are those specific issues that the individual is experiencing in that moment? And then identifying, step two is to identify the triggers um, and any warning signs. So what's bringing up these, these issues or concerns that the person has? And then identifying what and who is helpful in their life. So it may be a best friend. Um, it may be their parent. Uh, what are some of their current coping skills? How do they you know, alleviate some of that pressure and that negative energy? Uh, and then the next thing is to identify who and what is not helpful. So maybe it is a boyfriend, maybe it's a girlfriend, a wife, you know, who is bringing on these strong emotions and desires to, to end their life. And then identifying the interventions, what things can um, they do in that moment. So whether that's, you know, calling 911 or calling crisis prevention or suicide prevention hotline and speaking to someone or texting someone, what interventions can we use? Who are some of their emergency contacts? And then uh, having them sign, right? So, so having them, you know, commit to a plan for themselves to say, I'm not going to kill myself. And this is my safety plan, you know, now that I'm in this moment and anytime this moment comes up again. So uh, without taking up too much time, I just wanted to share that. And then I'll just take a screenshot and, and put it in, the, in our network as well. Appreciate that, Professor. We, we needed that because because we definitely have to have um, must do's and go do's. And I think, you know, in this day and age, we can't we can't take this stuff for granted. We have to be prepared because, like I said, in those moments of high stress, we revert to our training. So that's going to be a great tool for us to think about. Again, guys, if you just joined the call, we're thinking through what do we do to help a brother in crisis? We see Mr. Richard Sherman here in the Seattle area going through some um, very uh, real emotions where, where it comes to his family. Uh, the video of the ring doorbell encounter has been released. Um, and you, you know, you can see a man who is just going through it, whether there's alcohol involved, et cetera, et cetera. 
But what we want to do is, okay, what do we do if that's us? And then what do we do if somebody reaches out and they're in that state? And so we just want to think through some ideas. We want to prepare. We want to, we want to train. Uh, so let's hear from Kanata, then Mr. Terry, then Jesse and Coach. And then we're going to hear from Coach Kendall, and then we'll wrap the call. Go for it, Kanata. I think the when it comes to situations like that, and now after the Monday night call we had earlier tonight, or last night, I should say, I think the key parts to it is recognizing the um, the circumstances around it. And and I'm going to use Richard Sherman as an example, and I don't know him personally, of course, but I'm familiar with him and his career. So, for example, he's 33 years old. He's coming towards the twilight part of his NFL career. I'm not saying that he's done already, but he's a free agent now. Um, he's most likely in a position where he's never been before um, in his professional career, where that security of being at the top of his, of his game is no longer there. So I'm sure that added to, at some level, added to some of his anxiety. Um, not saying that's the entire reason to what took place, but I truly feel that was a part of it. Um, and I think we can take that as a lesson when it comes to dealing or not dealing, but talking to other brothers who may come to us. But understanding the um, the outliers of what maybe they be dealing with to lead them to the situation or the crucial point that they're at. And I think knowing that information or at least trying to understand that information is so key to helping them off of that ledge, for lack of a better term. So I think the overall situation when it comes to brothers, when they're trying to figure things out and things get truly crucial and that added pressure can really push them to places they've never been before. It, it, it's truly key. I know it's been like that for me in my past situations and I haven't been anything that extreme, but I think we all have been in areas that are outside of our comfort zone that has really caused us to behave in a way that we wouldn't normally behave. So hopefully it wouldn't be anything to that extreme, but like I said, just knowing those things or thinking about them and um, taking them into account when we're dealing with other brothers who may be um, reaching a point of that crucial point of where they're trying to, you know, talk them off the ledge it is, I guess, is the best way I can put it without, you know, framing that language around every situation. Because it's not a blanket statement, and I don't mean it to be, but just knowing that information helps when we're trying to help them as well. Yeah, I love that share, Kanata. You also made me think about you know, what if it was your natural brother or, you know, let's up the stakes. For some of you, you know, as fathers, maybe it's one of your children that's just in crisis. Uh, go for it, uh, Coach Rice. Let's up the stakes. What if it's a family member, somebody close in crisis? Are we comparing it to the Richard Sherman piece or just period? Yeah, we, we want to feel the extremity, but, you know, your, your heart's deeper in it if it's, you know, if it's some, a natural family member because we, we need tools because we can't let – Men just keep taking these public L's like this. You know, I think it's all about in the way we receive people. You know, we can talk about what the strategy is afterward. Um, I just know if that were my son, I know, you know, or still, even if that were my son, I just know the demeanor in which I, you know, come to the scene of whatever, right? I think the demeanor is necessary, right? Because 
of course, they're already expecting everybody that's approaching them is going to be like, yo, what the? Well, yo, hey, what's going on here? What, what the hell you do? Why the hell you? You know, it's a whole bunch of questions. And I think at times you have, you have to know what your nonverbal and your actual energy is like from the time you show up, right? And again, that's through training in G. <laughs> Um, and again, there have been times where I've had to approach my son and the lesson is not always necessarily what I say. Sometimes the lesson to be taught is just, okay. And again, I've learned this from, from, from still coaching basketball, you know, the thing where when we're in high pressure situations, if I allow, if I allow my emotions to run high, that's like, I mean, that's the energy that's going to be conveyed to, to my players. So same thing with the person. I think it's about your nonverbal when you show up, you know, what's your demeanor like? Um, and again, I think sometimes people want to automatically ask questions when they pull up versus just, you know, just be and absorb what the energy is like before you say or do anything. Yeah, I love that, uh, Chief. One of the things we practice in my family is like, hey, what's your last name? Oh, Bert? oh yeah, we on your team. I don't care if you did it. You know what I'm saying? Like, we really don't care. We on your team. And we are very capable of handling things in-house. So let's get you out of these people's hands first. And then we can handle whatever we need to handle in-house. But uh, let's figure out how, how to get you back in-house. And I think sometimes, as you said, Chief, that when we know that someone is standing with us, whether they understand how we got to here or not, man, it frees us enough to start taking steps in the direction we want to go. So that was a great reminder. All right, let's hear from you, Mr. Terry. And then Coach K closes out. Go for it, Mr. Terry. Yeah, with Bernard, with me, I've been in situations, um, both myself through um, going through divorces. Some, like I said, you know, I'm on my third marriage, have been married now for 10 years, but I've had fellows that was on the brink of doing something drastic that they didn't or shouldn't do. And I was able to share my go-throughs and how I went through and how I overcame the situations to put a different perspective on them before they did something they shouldn't do. And um, that's why some of the lessons or things I've been through have helped me in now because I look back on it like the lesson might not have been for me, but I've been able to help talk a lot of people off the edge from just different situations or breakups or even with kids, like um, when kids are in crisis, different things that I've been through growing up, share the story. Um, like um, Abraham was saying, remain and calm and not pointing the finger and blaming, but just learning and then using a lot of the tools that I went through or actually not went through, but learn energy and from the brothers that I've been around. And then me still, when I go through something, I release it. I call one of my brothers and let them know what I'm going through to get it out of me so it's not messing up my day or messing up my um, time with my family or my wife or my job that I'm not dwelling on it, but actually having an accountability partner to have those deep discussions with. And that's what I think I love about the Jeeves because I can be vulnerable. I can talk about those deeper things that hurt me because like when I was in the streets or just the people I grew up with, you know, them conversations are not the same. You know, you're going through something with your wife, man, fuck that bitch, man, come on. You know, it's, it's you got to be in the right company of who you take counsel from to make the moves to grow in life. And like I say, it's just, I tell anybody, if it weren't for the G, I wouldn't be where I am today. 
It's powerful, sir. It's powerful. One of the things you made me think about, Mr. Terry, and it was scary to, to go there mentally. Sometimes you got to go in and take the guns away. You know, like, you know who they are. You know, and you know who they are for real. So you just have to go in and say, uh, yeah, let me, uh, let me go ahead and get that because I know you. Um, and guys, we have to be humble enough to know what level we can serve at. Coach K, go for it and close us out. Yeah, I've been on uh, both sides of that equation. Younger in my first marriage, had an incident. I was drinking. I don't remember why, but got ticked off. I'm talking about ticked off. It seems as though during those times with my ex-wife, uh, I used to say she could bring the bet the worst out of me. But I was ticked off and got on an emotional rampage. And we were in an apartment complex and somebody called the police. They came. Um, but I was I was geeked up. Like I was I was thoroughly pissed. We got a little physical pushing. I picked her up, put her back down. So I know that feeling when you can get to that point, uh, especially when there's alcohol involved. And, and of course, in that moment, nobody is there. There ain't no brotherhood. Like in that moment, the only thing you're thinking about is you're not thinking. You're on a rampage. You're going through emotions. Um, for me, there was no brotherhood. It was just intervention by seeing the police come knocking at the door and just happen to have one good cop and one bad cop. The white cop wanted to take me to jail. The good cop, um, who just happened to be black, had nothing to do with color. The good cop um, pulled me to the side and had a conversation and told me all the right things to say. Um, that was the intervention for me. And then being on the other side of it, being in the shop one time, walking out in the parking lot, uh, one of the guys said they seen this dude out there yelling, like going in on this girl. They outside the car in the parking lot, really getting into it. And automatically, about three or four of us just instinctively went over and got in between him and her and didn't say anything necessarily, didn't talk to him, but just showed a presence that she was covered and it's not going down like this. And I'm just allowing him to, to run his mouth and vent. And then when the timing was right, before the police could get involved, have a conversation with him. The, the, the toughest thing to say is what what we should do in that instance, because it's going to be on a case by case situation. I think the best thing we can do, and I think Scully may have mentioned it and Alfred is preventative maintenance. Um, just by being very intentional about whom you put yourself around, the people you connect yourself with, um, the conversations that you have, uh, the therapy that you go through, it's all preventative maintenance, no different than taking vitamin C every day, no difference than working out every day, no different than eating right every day, doing the things that we need to do so that we're physically, uh, emotionally and mentally fit to handle situations to the best of our ability when help isn't there. And then when we see situations like that, uh, I, I love what Bernard said, first let's deal with this situation. I love what Coach Rice said. We don't need to have a conversation. Let's just be whatever the situation needs us to be. Um, and then allowing it to play out like that. The best thing that we can do 
for ourselves is the preventative maintenance. And the best thing we can do for other people is preventative because it can happen to any of us. The right amount of liquor, the right person to set you off. Uh, and a lot of us think that we have complete control over ourselves 24 hours a day because we think we sweet, but that's not the case. Everybody on this call at some point has had somebody take you to that point where depending on the situation, you probably could have done something um, that could have been super detrimental. Um, so the best thing is to practice the preventative maintenance, all those great things that we already know to do, the conversations, the staying connected, having somebody that you can talk to and be real with. And that's always the question where Richard Sherman is concerned. We don't know what kind of circle he's around. We don't know what kind of conversations he's having. So even if he was or is having those right conversations, um, when alcohol is involved, when mental health issues is involved, there's no telling the point that somebody can get to when, when pushed to that point or taking themselves to that point. The G-Men community exists to allow men to connect through group coaching, training calls, online workshops, and location-based retreats. Join the movement at gmenworldwide.com. You have been listening to the G-Men podcast. Like, review, and share this episode if something you heard challenged you to grow and positioned you to lead. The G-Men community exists to allow men to connect through group coaching, training calls, online workshops, and location-based retreats. Join the movement at gmenworldwide.com.